and we're live. Have you, wait, have you listened to the last podcast yet? No, Lewis okay. did though. Did he? Did he tweet you about it? He DM'd me and said hashtag very quality. Fair enough. So, you know that little babbling we did to begin the the podcast. Is that in stuff? there? Yeah, that's in there. I didn't take it out because I, I told you not to take it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, this is Ethan Lee. That is Daniel Black. This is the Maroon and White Audible. Welcome Man. to it. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. We're here to talk about pretty much all we're going to talk about today. Um, this is the upcoming College World Series. We're going to talk about one half of the bracket. The bracket that Omaha. Omaha. It's, it's you know, Oma, Oma Dogs. You know, now that Mississippi State is in the College World Series more recently than Ole Miss, we can officially use the Omaha acronym again. Ole Miss at home again? Correct. Or if you want to get really southern and grammatically incorrect, Ole Miss ain't here again. Oh, that one's even better. I haven't heard that one. Mm-hmm. I need to start using that one more. Yeah. Um, someone's got to get that as a tattoo. Uh, well, uh, if we win the national championship, you didn't think we were going to be UConn, <laughs> and you have PTLGD on your arm. That's true. So I've actually thought about relocating that one, getting that one covered, and then putting it on my wrist. Because that I feel would like just that- be... That would just be painful. You don't have to go through that. I've been thinking of getting... You You can see that I've got another tattoo on my arm. Well, so. okay, great. Congratulations. Good I'm for you. Thinking, look, Daniel, this is... I'm not getting Ole Miss ain't here again on my anywhere. <laughs> just, it's not happening. Get it on your index finger. No one will see it there. Which Which index finger? Get it on your ring finger and then cover it with your upcoming wedding ring. I don't think Jess would be too happy about that one. But your wedding ring will cover it, so no one would see it. And don't tell her. <laughs> so I have to do it like after the wedding. You can do it before if you want. But then, how do Only I? Only if it we win the national championship. How do I keep it covered? Just deal with it. Also, let's, you let's can't, talk about baseball. You can't like cover. It's it's an open wound. You're not supposed to have it covered for that long. Well, no. Well, okay. I mean, you're you're a dimwit. I'm the dimwit. Yeah. You you were the one who who thought you were so smart when you said, if State beats UConn, I'm going to get a tattoo. And guess what happened? To be perfectly honest, one, I kind of wanted a tattoo at the time. Two, I legitimately didn't think we were going to beat UConn. Nobody did, Ethan. No, no, no. Not if you go back and read AZ Desert Dog's comments on Unless, Unless you're AZ Desert Dog or Vic Schaefer. Nobody thought we were going to beat UConn. But I feel like Vic Schaefer actually has a legitimate reason. Like, had a legitimate reason there. You know? Yeah. Okay, we're talking about Omaha. Let's we're talk talking about baseball. About, talking about half of the bracket. I think I'll get to the other half of the bracket in a later show. The um, other bracket, that is Florida, Arkansas, Texas, and... Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Yeah. Yes. Which bracket, just real quick, which side of this do you think is more interesting because i don't think it's this side i think it's the other side because those are the those i mean those are the, i mean in this side of the bracket you have state and washington who were not expected to get here um on the other side you have four teams that before the season if you were to look at omaha predictions those four teams would be in there i would say in a pretty substantial number of predictions and those so. four teams are regularly in omaha in some combination, mm-hmm. just about every year. I mean, Texas Tech's been in, what, three of the past five? Five, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, of course, on this side, you have State, Oregon State, and North Carolina, which are college baseball blue bloods. Yeah. Washington's really the only outsider in this entire thing. And, our, and we're going to talk about Washington. We did some last-second research on Washington, and they're we pretty interesting. We did some last-second research on our entire every, Everyone. But yeah. Washington is particularly interesting. Yeah. Um, one, one question I do have for you based off that research. Do you feel like Washington's a group of, like, three pitchers, a hitter, and then just kind of everybody else right now? I mean, I don't know. I would have to do more. We just looked at their stats and just assumed things off of that. I haven't watched Washington once because I'm pretty sure every single one of their super regional games is at the exact same time as ours. It was also like their regional wasn't broadcast anywhere. It was on ESPN3, I think. Mm -hmm. So So, they were hard to watch. Well, not that they were hard to watch, but they were difficult to try to watch. mm -hmm. It was hard to obtain watching Washington. Yes. Um, But so I know nothing about Washington. I know looking at their schedule, they're an extremely intriguing team. Uh, They have a story similar to ours, but we'll get into them whenever we will. Why don't we just get into it now? Okay, Washington. Uh, They have a 35 and 24 record, 20 and 10 in conference. Um, They finished third third in the Pac-12 behind Stanford and Oregon State, uh, two of the top national seeds. So if you look at that, you would expect, oh, well, Washington, you know, they're a host team, you know, yada, yada, yada. But instead, they were a three seed in the Coastal Carolina Regional. And if you're wondering why that's the case, if you omit, if you include the postseason, their non-conference record is 15 and 14. If you omit the postseason, their regular season non-conference record, uh, what was it again? Um, it's bad. It was what? Like 13. Yeah, 10 and 13. That's not good. Actually, they won five ga- or five games in the postseason. So if you have, uh, yeah, that's right, 10, 10, and, 10 and 13. I'm not good at math. Wait, what was it without? So it was 15 and 14. Their non-conference record was 15 and 14 okay. if you include yeah. the postseason. 10 yep. and 13 regular season. So obviously their non-conference uh, slate in the regular season was uh, how they played was quite poor. They actually played good teams. They yeah. beat Minnesota, who made it to a Super Regional. They played a series with East Carolina, took a game in that uh, two out of three series. They played Gonzaga, beat them, who uh, Gonzaga was in a regional. So they played good teams in the non-conference, but then they you have these other teams like Sacramento State, um, Illinois State, uh, Seattle University um, that they played quite poorly against, which brought their um, I guess their resume down considerably. But once they hit Pac-12 play, particularly in their last four series of the year, they hit their stride. You, you look at their last four series, they take uh, two out of three against Arizona State, two out of three against UCLA, they sweep Utah, and the biggest thing of all this is that they two, take two out of three against Stanford. And that was their la- that Stanford series was their last was their last games heading into their regional where, where they just dominate and sweep through their regional. Um, against Coastal Carolina, who, of course, won the national title two years ago. Yeah. One thing that strikes me interesting, I'm looking at a bracket of the final eight teams. Um, These are the only two teams that don't have at least 40 wins right now, getting into Omaha. Mm -hmm. Um, And one one thing of note, we talked about this a little bit before, we didn't know who the home team was for this game, or for the series, and it's going to be Mississippi State. How do you know that? Because it's in bold, and it's got a little asterisk next to it. And down at the bottom, um, it says asterisks 
for home team. So oh, I didn't know that. That's that's cool. Assuming I'm looking at this right, it's kind of small font. That's cool. But yeah, no. Um, these two teams outside of like the Candazaro scandal, because I don't, I don't think that happens. I don't think Washington schools. had a coach sexting in the dugout. Yeah, allegedly. We I don't don't know if we can allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Um, yeah. So outside of that, these two teams, how they got to this point is pretty similar. Just as a whole, they turned it on going down the stretch. Um, both have been really, really good in the postseason. Uh, Washington, through their regional, just won three straight games, didn't even have to worry about elimination games. Um, Mississippi State's regional won four straight there. Did have to worry about elimination games, but this team seems to be better in elimination games than non-elimination games. Mm-hmm. So They're better with their backs against the wall is what you're basically For sure, for sure. Um, the, I mean, the th- one interesting tidbit, I mean, the thing about Washington is you know this is their very first college world series in program history. They've made it to three regionals. Let me pull this up again. I just had it and I idiotically uh, got off of it. They've been to um, three regionals since 2014. Um, so uh, with Mississippi State, of course, Mississippi the current Mississippi State team has never been to Omaha, but they've been to two super regionals prior to this year. Yeah. Um, so it, I would say that Mississippi State's team, in terms of the pressure of the situation, probably is better equipped uh, than Washington for this big of a stage. Um, I mean, even looking at just this year alone, this is a team that has dealt with pressure all year. They've dealt with adversity all year. Mm-hmm. They they are ready to go. Mm-hmm. Granted, I'm not saying that's going to lead them to just a couple of wins and boom, no problems. But yeah. this is a team that has gone through just about anything you can go through in one sort of season, I, I would say that they they understand what this feels like, um, you know, high-stakes sort of games. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they're ready for this one. And I don't know if I could say that, one, because I don't know Washington very well. But mm-hmm. two, I don't know if anyone could really say that about Washington this year. But the thing about Washington that's similar to State is that, you know, they're both – I mean, both teams are sort of red hot right now. Yeah. And one thing that – Washington has as an advantage. You I mean you mentioned how State does well in elimination games. Washington hasn't had to deal with elimination games, with the exception of their game three against Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. I um, mean, if I could, if I want to do quick math, they are one, two. Let's see. I'm just kind of counting wins here. One, two, three, four, five, um, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. They've won fourteen games dating back to. Um, May 1st, and they didn't have a conference tournament. Um, yeah. I don't know how many losses I could count the losses, I guess. That's one, two, three, four, five. So they're 14 and five in their last 19 games. Um, so compare that to how they started the season, which wasn't great. Uh, they're in a good position right now in terms of momentum. And so is Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State has the advantage of. Um, performing extremely well in elimination games. Washington has the advantage of just playing well overall um, in, their, in the last month and a half or so. So this is, I mean, this is, it's, it's sort of, I think it's interesting how Washington and Mississippi State are the two outsiders in this College World Series and how they're both playing against each other in the first game. I think that makes it very interesting. Um, once again, we don't know much about Washington. Um but it'll be interesting to see how Mississippi State, which is a typical blue blood, will do against this um, 
story that is Washington going into their very first College World Series. Yeah. Um, what did you say the record was going back to the first weekend of May? Uh, 14 and 5. So State is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Oh, State's good, probably going to be similar. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 13 and 6. 13 and 6. Yeah. So, yeah. Very similar records over the past 19 games. Yeah. 19 games for both of them. That's real impressive. Yeah. So, um, two teams that are hot right now. So hot right now. So hot right now. That's a reference. So, of these two teams, who do you who do you who would you give the advantage to in momentum? Just looking at what we know right now, because I'd be I would have a hard time not giving it to Washington in that sort of case where they didn't struggle in their regional. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- yeah, uh, it's difficult because they're. I mean, we we look at that nineteen games. They're they're both extremely similar. Yeah. Um, in terms of momentum, they, they're they're similar in terms of the competition they've played. I mean, Mississippi State, uh, you know, since early May, I don't have State's schedule up, but I know, I mean, they've played Florida, they've played LSU in the SEC tournament, then they played Florida State and Vanderbilt in the Supers, where uh, Washington's played uh, UCLA, Stanford, Coastal Carolina, and Cal State Fullerton. So they're sim- not only similar in record, but they're similar in strength of opponents. Um, it's extremely. Th- this is one of the things that's so interesting about this about this matchup is that they're both incredibly. They have tons of momentum. Uh, they're two what I seem to be evenly matched teams. I would need to look at Washington's stats again, and even then, I don't know much about Washington's team to tell. Um, we both we do know that looking at their stats, that uh, they've got a particularly good hitter by the name of Joe Waynehouse, um, hitting three twelve. Um, 69 hits, nice. Two, nine doubles, <laughs> one triple, 59 RBI. But the big thing here is that he has 19 home runs, which leads the team. Their second-ranked uh, home, home run guy is Jordan Levi, who has eight. So um, looks like they've got decent hitting. Um, to go with those 69 very nice hits, he's also got 69 very nice strikeouts, too. So he's going to strike out at a pretty high rate as well. Mm-hmm. So... Um, once again, we don't know much about Washington, um, but they're, they have a lot of momentum right now. Um, they're a confident group of guys, which sounds like I'm saying like a coach, like a coach. They're a confident group of guys. Very coach Um, speak. Yeah. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I don't, I, I I honestly have no, I don't know enough about Washington to make a prediction and I don't know enough about this team, Mississippi state, honestly, to make a prediction about how they're going to do. That's so weird. Um, one thing about Washington right now, if they were still calculating RPI, I'm sure it'd be a lot higher. But based off the NCAA's website, Washington has an RPI of 63 back on May 27th. So before the I mean that not in those non-conference games dragged yeah. them. Yeah. So um, they really yeah. struggled there. Um, but you know, all that being said, that doesn't matter at this point now. Because mm-hmm. they're in Omaha, they're one of the final eight teams. None of what happened before really matters right now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, for sure. But um, I mean, we'll just see how it goes. They're two even teams, as I've said ad nauseum by now. Um, but uh, yeah, don't be... I don't know if you touched on that. 
What's up? Did you t- touch on the pitching? For Washington? Yeah. Um, I tuned out a little bit when I was looking up Mississippi State's record. Yeah. Uh, so we looked at what their rotation would be. It, we have three guys that we – it's confusing. We don't really know who's going to start when because they had a different first-game starter in their regional than they did their super regional. But it looks like their main starter is Joe Demers, who is a 2.56 ERA, a 7-3 and win-loss record. Um, has 19 appearances and 16 starts. But he actually – he started in the first game of the regional, but in the first Super Regional game, he came in, got a save, then started in the third Super Regional game. So he's obviously – he they're going to – they could use him both in the starter and in the bullpen. Um, another starter they have is Lucas Knowles. Um, his 22 appearances to 15 starts is a 3.89 ERA and a 6-5 and five win-loss record. Um uh, you look at Jordan Jones, who it looks like is their third starter. Uh, they have he has he has a three nine nine ERA, a six and four win loss record, and an eighteen to seventeen appearances to game started ratio. So those three guys, Demers, Knowles, and Jordan Jones, look like they are the three um, main starters. They've got a pretty solid bullpen. It looks like guys like Alex Hardy, Josh Bergman, um, Dylan Lamb, and and uh, Stevie Emanuel's. Um, all look like they are. Uh, they've made it a lot of appearances out of the bullpen. So uh, they've got. It looks like they've got a solid pitching staff and a solid starting rotation. We just don't. We I we can't from prior information. We probably can't piece together who's going to start when, um, based off of just looking at what they did in regional and super regionals. Yeah, if you're looking at just stats too, um, you know Washington automatically has like a better statistical lineup in their pitching staff right there because. State's best starter so far this year, the most consistent starter, would be Ethan Small, mm-hmm. um, who's got a 3.11 ERA. And also, another, I mean, State's pitching staff has been, ex- I mean, it's been so strange this year. You look at Cole yeah. Gordon as a prime example, struggling yeah. throughout the first part of the season, um, struggling in that first regional game against Oklahoma, then Jake Mangum and others are crediting him for the reason why State's in Omaha because of his performance in the Super Regional. Uh, Connor Pelkington, just looking at a starter, is extremely has been extremely inconsistent. Pitched really well in the beginning part of the season. Um, with That's when we couldn't get any hitting. The moment we got some hitting going in the mid part and later parts of the regular season, he started to struggle pitching-wise. Then you see in the Super Regional game two, he pitched extremely well, and we couldn't get the hitting going. So it's, yeah. it's really weird. Um, how this pitching staff in Mississippi State's pitching staff fluctuates so much. You're going to either see them on an on day or an off day, and we're just going. And the only way we're going to go to we're going to make a run in this College World Series is if our pitching clicks. Um, I will say that Cole Gordon just emerging like he did lately, past couple of appearances, mm-hmm. is you know that's a great thing to see going into sure. um, even. But he just of- needs to make sure that he keeps it up. Yeah, even Counter Pilkington rounding it out a little bit. Great thing to see. Um, one thing that State does have, you know, two of, where uh, Washington doesn't have any, is State's got two pitchers with over 100 strikeouts this year. Mm-hmm. Pilkington, Ethan Small. You know, Washington doesn't have that this year. They have really good pitchers, but they don't have um, heavy strikeouts. They don't uh, even have one guy with over 100 I mean, strikeouts. Joe Demers is the closest at 92, and Joe Demers is yeah. a guy who we met, who was an 11th round pick, and who was on the All Pac-12 team, and on the Washington Twitter account said he's one of the greatest pitchers in school history. So obviously, um, he's good. He is good. Yeah. Um, but then outside of Joe Demers, you have Jordan Jones with 80, and then Lucas Knowles with 64. Um, yeah. 
And then outside of that, you have a guy at 45. So I am curious to know if these it's, guys, it's interesting what their depth is going to be like. Yes. But I am curious to know like how they throw. Are they, you know, primarily fastball? Are they, you know, more of the the Ross Mitchell type where you just kind of mm-hmm. lazily throwing it in there? Which yeah, was really good for Ross. He mm-hmm. had a really good career outside of his senior year specifically, but um is that what we're expecting? Is it going to be a lot of ground balls? Like, what do, what do we get here? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, we want to start looking at some of the other teams real quick. Yeah. Do you prefer North Carolina or Oregon State? If it's rooting interest, it's North Carolina by far. So, are we going to talk about North Carolina first? Yeah, let's go with them. So, this is the team we did our least amount of research on, but we know that North Carolina. <laughs> but we know that North Carolina is a typical blue blood. Uh, they've been in the College World Series a bunch in the uh, past few years. An interesting tidbit that I think Kendall Rogers tweeted out that the last time Mississippi State was in the College World Series 2013, North Carolina and Oregon State were also in there, and we were we became quite familiar with Oregon State's yep. 2013 team in the College World Series. But uh, you look at North Carolina, they're 43 and 18 overall, 22 and 8 in the ACC. The ACC easily one of the arguably that or the SEC the best baseball conference in the country because you have teams like North Carolina, Duke making it to a super regional, Florida State, Clemson, Louisville. Um, The Big 12 um, was pretty good this year. The Big 12 was very good as well, um, for sure. Um, But looking at North Carolina's non-conference, they played solid teams like South Florida, East Carolina. Um, um, I'm trying to see if anyone – they played South Carolina, drubbed them. Did they get Um, Florida State? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they uh, dropped two. They uh, they beat Florida State in the first game, sixteen to eight, Jeez. and then lost the next two. Um, against some other, they played uh, Coastal Carolina in the non-conference. They did South um, Carolina as well. I don't know. If I'm, I already mentioned that, I'm, buddy. Come on, okay. buddy. Well then. Um, but looking at looking at how they've done in the postseason, they are five and zero so far in the postseason. Um. Yeah. Defeating North Carolina A and T handily, uh, beating Houston four to three, and then beating Houston in the third game nineteen to eleven, and then they play Stetson twice, who is a team that hosted, um, and beat them seven four seven five. So North Carolina is a team that's obviously hot as well. Um, looking how they did in the ACC tournament, they went one and one. That's um, really weird. I know. Um, <laughs> because I was just looking at that, waiting for you to get there. <laughs> they went four and five against Pitt, and then nine and zero against Georgia Tech. They you know, loss on a win, but I, I don't know they, how the ACC tournament works, but, <laughs> um, but looking at some of the better teams they've performed against in the ACC, uh, we mentioned how they did against Florida state. They dropped two or three against uh, Louisville, um, took two or three against Miami, uh, swept wake forest, took two or three against Virginia, uh, dropped the game against NC state. Um, but then swept NC State in the uh, regular season conference play, uh, loses two to Duke, then sweeps Virginia Tech. Um, so uh, we, I mean, once again, this is the team that we've done the least amount of research on. But it's a team, it's a program familiar with Omaha. They've done extremely well in the postseason, going five and zero against pretty tough competition, particularly Houston and Stetson. Um. um Looking at some of their stats, much it. really good pitching. What's that? Uh, we were talking over each other. I was saying I think that's pretty much it that you can mention about their season. You covered that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Looking at their stats, looks like they've got really good pitching. 
particularly in the bullpen, because you look at these some of these guys, uh, Ben Kasparius, um, he has 10 appearances, no starts, but a 1.69 ERA, nice. Uh, you have Caden O'Brien, 28 appearances, two starts, a 2.14 ERA. You have Brett Daniels, a 37 to 1 appearances to starts ratio, a 2.74 ERA. You have Cooper, Cooper Criswell, a 24 to 8 appearances to starts ratio, 2.82 ERA. You have Josh Hyatt, 28 to no, 28 to zero appearances to starts ratio, 2.94 ERA. And they we we can only I can only tell of two guys who look like they are definite starters, and that's Austin Bergner and Tyler Baum. Um, and they have 4.28 and 4.55 ERA. So I don't know much about their rotation, but I know that their bullpen looks really locked down, just looking at stats alone. And to me, that's similar to a team that we're pretty familiar with, the 2013 Mississippi State Bulldogs, yeah. who had a pretty weak starting rotation, but you had guys like Chad Gerardo and Ross Mitchell in the bullpen that uh, carried the team. So if you look... Down one more guy from Tyler Baum. You've got Rodney Hutchison Jr. Yes. He's got 10 starts on the year. Uh huh. And he has a 4.63 ERA. Yeah. I would have Taylor Thug, who has a 12 to 9 start or appearances to starts ratio with a 5.4 ERA. Yeah. But I would just automatically assume, based off the fact that he has the third most starts, unless Mm -hmm. something happened early on in the season, that he is their third guy. You've also seen Cooper Criswell have eight starts, but also 24 appearances. So maybe maybe it's not too far off of what this Mississippi State team is, whereas Jacob Billingsley has been the third starter, but mm-hmm. they haven't always figured that out until like the day of Sunday, where, oh yeah, yeah Jacob Billingsley started. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a case of they've rotated a couple guys in as a third starter. Mm-hmm. But they've got a team ERA of 3-6. Three, six, three, six, um, 3-60. Yes. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... They're obviously um, a very good pitching team, particularly in the bullpen. Teams are only hitting two thirty nine against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're so, gonna be fine. So, um, yeah, that's the main. That's the main thing. Just looking at statistics alone about North Carolina is that their bullpen hitting wise, they're pretty good too. Um, they're mm-hmm. pretty consistent across the board. They've got Michael Bush, who has thirteen home runs, um, but he doesn't strike out a lot. He's got thirty strikeouts on the season. He's hitting three thirty three this year. He's definitely someone that the pitchers are going to have to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind them, you've got Brandon Martorano. Right. I'm bad with names. I'm about to sneeze. Bless you. <coughs> Bless you again. Um, Brandon M., who I'm, I'm bad with names, so I'm sorry. But he's got nine home runs on the year. Alternatively, he strikes out a bit more with 56 home runs. So, What did you say his name was? Brandon M because it's his last name is Martorano, Martorano. Mart- I think Martorano is probably accurate. Probably, but we know how I am with names. So, mm-hmm. um, but they've got four guys who have six home runs or more, and then a couple guys with five and fewer. Um, so they've got a pretty good lineup there, hitting wise too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's basically it for North Carolina, I guess. As a team, they're hitting two eighty six. Yeah. That, that's that's all you need to know there. And now uh, my pick since the regionals for the national champions, the Oregon State Beavers, um, a team that is 49, 10, and 1 Oh, this overall. is weird. It gets weird with our words. Uh, their conference record is 20 wins, 9 losses, and 1 tie. So it's 20, 9, and 1. Correct. Yeah, um, this is where it gets really weird. 
And if you were to include the postseason, their non-conference record is 29 wins and one loss. So 29 and one. And one. Yeah, we struggled so, with that before the show. 29 and one in non-conference. Their only loss is the first game of a two out of three, uh, three-game series with Cal State Fullerton. Um, yeah. And looking at some of their other non-conference opponents, they uh, have played Gonzaga, New Mexico, Nebraska, Ohio State, Hartford, Portland, um, Nevada, um, who is typically a good team, Missouri State, which is typically a good team, um, San Diego, uh, defeated San Diego 23-6, and 19-6. and six. Jeez. Um, then you have Northwestern State, who they beat nine and three in the regional. Then they drubbed LSU twice, fourteen and one or fourteen to one, twelve to twelve nothing. And then you look at what they do against Minnesota, eight and one, eight to one, six to three. Um, and that Northwestern State team, Northwestern State. This is just from past um, from past uh, research. Northwestern State, in terms of overall coaches who have been at a certain program. You know how uh, people say, or at least the old school term for the Mac in football was the cradle of coaches? Yeah, because they had guys like show up and leave. Mm -hmm. Northwestern State is that. I'm going to list three coaches, and I'm sure there are probably more who have been previously the head coach at Northwestern State. Okay. Okay. Dave Van Horn is the current head coach at Arkansas. John Cohen. Nice. And Lane Burroughs, who's the current head coach at Louisiana Tech. Also nice. So those those are just three. And so Northwestern State is obviously a good program. They've and, only been around since 1990. Mm-hmm. And Oregon State uh, beat them nine to three. So oh, no, they've been around since 1912. Oh well, okay. That's weird that they don't have. Okay, whatever. I'm sorry. Um, but Oregon State uh, is a very, 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 very good baseball team. And looking at their stats, their stats are remarkable, particularly their, their pitching staff. We have everybody's favorite pitcher, Luke Heimlich. Gross. Um, a two-three-two ERA, sixteen and one win-loss record, eighteen appearances, seventeen starts, one hundred twenty to third innings pitched, and a remarkable one hundred fifty-one to twenty-five strikeouts walk ratio. Um, uh, he's one of their main starters. Another one of their main starters uh, is Bryce Fimmel, either Fimmel or Fimmel. Fem- um, Fimmel sounds better to me. Yeah, um, maybe Fimmel. I don't know. Uh, two eight sounds like a that sounds like a perfume brand. Fennel. Um a two eight seven ERA, a ten, 10 and one win loss record, um one hundred third and one hundred three and a third innings pitch. And it looks like their other main starter um, is uh, Grant Gambrel, who has a four four zero ERA, four in a five and one win loss record. So if you look at their pitching staff at a whole, so good, it's really good, particularly their ro- their starting rotation. Uh, look, and their bullpen's pretty good too. You have Jake um, Mulholland, a two three seven ERA and a one and two win loss record, twenty seven appearances and from zero starts. You have Brandon Isert, who has a two seven four ERA from twenty four appearances and no starts. Uh, you have Dylan Pierce, three six two ERA, two and zero win loss record. Uh, Kevin Abel, three five eight ERA, four and one win loss record. So, and then you have uh, guys who are towards the bottom of the ERA list who would be coming out of the pen, Nathan Burns and Sam Tweed. It's either Tweed or Tweet. 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 Um, but anyways. Um, Do you think he's on Twitter? Probably. Um, probably but, tweets. <laughs> Do you think he spells it DT? I'm curious to know that. Um, um, but looking at their pitching, it is especially good. And then their hitting, 
Uh, they've got a also team good. batting average of 320. Um, 59 home runs this year. 59 home runs. Their home run leader is uh, Trevor Larnick. Char- Larnach or Larnack or Larnick? I would guess Larnick. Um, who has 18 Larnick. home runs. This is as well-rounded of a team as you get. And the thing about Oregon State is on this side of the bracket, um, outside of probably Florida, they have the most College World Series experiences experience recently of anyone. More so than Texas Tech? Well, Texas Tech too. So Florida and Texas Tech and Oregon State are probably the three. I mean, Oregon State made it to the College World Series a year ago. Um, looking at their Omaha appearances, they went this year, 2017 and 2013. They won the national championship in 06, 06 and 07. They were there 13, 14, and 17. No, no. Yeah, no, 13. They weren't there in 14? They went there in 2005, 2006, 2007, yeah. 2013, 2017, 2018. Yeah. No, I thought they were there in 14 too. No, they made it to a regional. That's their conference championship. Okay. Last year, huh. uh, last year Oregon State went 56 and six. They're so good. Uh, did not win the national championship, despite their 56 and six overall record. Um, but yeah, Oregon State, a very, very, very good baseball team, as one can imagine. So, um, particularly their pitching staff and their hitting is good. It is just a really good baseball team that uh, if we face them. Um, so there's no weakness on this team mm-hmm. at all. Oh, yeah. man. Um, when was the last time Texas was in the College World Series? 2015. It's been a few years. 15 or 16. I think it was 15. Just look up Augie Garrido on Wikipedia and it'll tell you. Uh, I know they went in 14. No, wait, what? Where? Uh, Yeah, 2014, they went to the College World Series. Jeez, they've been there so many times. Yeah, they went in 2014, 2011, 2009, 2005, 2004, 2003, 2002, 2000. They were champions in 2002, 2005, finished runners-up in 2004 and 2009. Yeah. I mean, that's just Texas. There are 36 College World Series appearances for the Longhorns. Yep. UT is really good at uh, baseball. Yes, they are. I I really don't think there's anything more to add into that. Mm -hmm. Um, We primarily wanted to focus on this side because we wouldn't meet the other side unless we make it somehow to the national championship. And to make it, you have to get through either North Carolina or Oregon State. Yeah, um, not discounting Washington as well because we played on the first game. I mean, I'm not going to discount Washington, but it's a case of even if you get through Washington, you have to get through a much higher hurdle. Yeah. And you don't typically go through hurdles. You go over them. So it's going to be really difficult. That's it. This team has been counted out since, what, the fourth game of the season? Since really the th- third game of the season. Yeah, there you go. Um, I fully believe that this is a team that had Andy Cannizzaro not done what Cannizzaro did, um, had he not screwed things over, this is a team that would have legitimately been a uh, national title contender. Mm-hmm. That said, they are technically a national title contender here. They're one of eight teams left. They're here. No, it's just going to be how far can they go. And so 
if you were just to guess off the hand, just predicting now, knowing what we do now, what what do you think happens with this Mississippi State team? Either zero and two or one and two. That's right about what I've got. I can't see them making it all the way up through the double elimination. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is arguably the, or it probably is the most improbable run of any Mississippi State team ever into the College World Series. The only, the only one that, in my opinion, that I know of at least, that would come close is of seven. I mean, that was a team that hosted a super regional and didn't have a coach fired through three games of the season. Um, yeah. Instead, they had a coach who had prior been to the College World Series seven times prior. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's the fact that we, I mean, it, it, this is going to sound sappy and stupid. I'm sure if Jake Mangum or Elijah McNamee or Connor Pilkington were listening to this, which I know they're not, um, if they listen to this, they would probably not like us. But the fact that they've gotten here is really good. Um, it's improbable. Uh, Omaha, you know, Omaha is the destination. That everyone wants to go to. Once you're there, you're obviously have your sight sets on national cha- on a national championship. But what this team is as a whole compared to the competition, because this is a stacked field, as stacked of a field um, as there has been in a while, as far as I know, um, it's going to be extremely difficult to get past um, even the, just the third game. Um, I will say this: if they can beat Washington, and then can beat whoever is in the winter's break there. I'm going to assume Oregon State, but it very well could be North Carolina as well. Mm-hmm. If they can win that second game, all bets are off at that point. Because I, I will say that, that this team can make a run at it if that is what happens. But that I just, would be insane. I just don't think that they can clear that hurdle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, same. This is one of the greatest stories that Mississippi State's ever had. For sure. In terms of the turnaround. But even like every great story still has to come to an end, especially in when it seems Mississippi State's great stories. Um, Dak Prescott never won the Heisman, never got through Alabama. Um, well, were we expecting Dak Prescott to win the Heisman? No, but I mean, in the midst of the 2014 season, it felt like, okay, this is where this is going to go. Yeah, I guess. When we were number one in the nation, this is this great story. Never got yeah. there. Um, You've got the shot against UConn. Okay, we're finally going to go beat South Carolina. This is what's going to happen. This is going to be the end of the great story, and then that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. And so and it feels like same with this past season with Notre yeah. Dame. And then we had a what a double digit lead at halftime over Notre yeah. Dame. Um, and that was going to be the team that finally brought a national title to Mississippi State. Uh huh. And it it just that wasn't. And, and also the 2013 teams up there too in yeah. terms of baseball. It was a great um, story. You uh, host, you get past Oregon State, get past Indiana, um, and then you see UCLA uh, with as good of a pitching staff, if not the best pitching staff in the country at that point, mowing us. 2016 baseball too. Yeah, uh, twelve draftees, if I remember correctly. As um, talented of a team as like you could create for Mississippi State. Just about. And uh, it didn't get past it, that freaking Arizona team that finished national runners up. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I just I feel like the end's going to come against you know, pretty much we're going to know what's going to happen by game two. Yeah, so I would imagine. So, yeah, that's what I've got. Um, let's get into questions. Oh, yeah, we have questions. You, it's your show, so you read them. Yeah, let me go find them. You get I think, to I think. I think Mr. V and Lewis sent them in. 
The cinnamon two days ago? Yesterday. Oh, yeah, close enough. Oh, well, yeah, yesterday. Hmm, let me go find... Well, Did Lewis sent him in two days ago. Mr. V sent in some more yesterday. Did any questions make tonight's recording from Monday? Yeah, so find Lewis's. Do we need to provide additional questions tomorrow, Tuesday, for Wednesday's show? Those are two questions that Mr. V asked. Oh, well, they're not... A fit. Okay, you know what I mean. Let me, go, let me go find them. Here they are. Do you know how... Do you so know this how is much, Lewis? This is Lewis. Yeah, this is, these are real questions. At MSU Lewis. Do you know how much I missed y'all and how happy this makes me? What took so long? Um, I don't know problem. how happy it makes you. Uh, what took so long? I well, don't know. Stuff. So, yeah, I, I got on here at Maroon White Nation taking over, getting stuff going here. Um, and you're you're getting through school and stuff. So yeah. 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 Stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Um, number two, how stupid does Canizaro feel today? I would imagine Canizaro felt stupid two months ago, or at least I would hope I he would, would. I would hope so. Yeah. I still want someone else, but how many games does Henderson have to win to get the job permanently? I think he has to win it all. I think he does too. Um, you know, the thing about Henderson is I, I, you know, I th I remember right after the College World Series and the day after that, I told you I told you that I w at this point I kind of want Henderson. Looking back on it, I think that was more of an emotional reaction. Um, um, but yeah, I think he has to win it all. I think Cohen is pretty set on a certain someone. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be if Henderson wins it all, then you pretty much have to give it to him. Right, you know, there, there. I mean, all, this is this has happened before when an interim coach steps in and wins in the nineteen eighty nine Michigan basketball team. Yeah, their head coach uh, took the Arizona State job right before Michigan's NCAA tournament appearance. Bo Schimbeffler, who was the athletic director, fired him immediately. Brought in Steve Fisher, who led him to a national championship as a three seed, and then he was hired full time. Um, nice. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that. Mm-hmm. And then Steve Fisher ended up coaching the uh, Fab Five. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I think the biggest on on the topic of Henderson, I think the biggest appeal to Henderson is the emotional appeal. Mm -hmm. He's pretty and, much a grandfather. He pretty much just you know gives you the warm fuzzies of how he's winning, how this team is winning, the fact that they're even winning. Uh, logically, it doesn't make sense looking at his entire resume. Mm-hmm. He's been a good coach. He's never been a great coach. Yeah, and the thing, and another, I mean, and Henderson, just the way he's sort of adopted Mississippi State and how emotional he's gotten, particularly in this postseason, yeah. um, is another thing. Um, so it's pretty much an emotional appeal. But then you've also seen guys like Ed Orgeron get really emotional. And we don't know how Matt that, Luke. Matt, we don't know how he's going to turn out, but. Yeah. Um, and we assume that LSU is going to go like seven and five this year, and they'll regret firing uh, Les Miles. Yeah, that's a topic for another day. But I think they might have gone seven and five with Les Miles too. I don't know. I don't um, know. Top five favorite plays or moments from the Super Regional. Okay, uh, one McNamee's home run in Game One. Yep. 
since, since you're including plays and moments yeah. to uh, the Titanic Gary Henderson post Gatorade bath. The lifting in the air. Yes, from Tanner Poole. Yeah, that's pretty that cool. picture. Um, three. Um, you know, I would say Mangum's RBI double in the ninth inning, but what happened in the bottom of the ninth sort of just sort of yeah. downplays that. Um, that one can be like four or five still. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who what three would. I'll tell you what's an underrated one, an extremely underrated one. Denver McQuarrie's three pitch strikeout in the bottom of the tenth of Game Three. That was pretty good. That was huge. Um, I know at least there were two men on with two outs. And then Keegan James came in right after him, right? Yes, Denver and, McQuarrie threw a four pitch walk. Um, yeah. it's it's hard thinking of top five. Uh, maybe Mangum's. If you're thinking of a moment, maybe Mangum running in from the outfield would be up there. Yeah. Um, his the most uncoordinated uh, run I've ever seen from a really good athlete. Yeah. Um. Th- th- it's weird, like. Uh, Cole Gordon, I think, is up there. Yeah. At this point, we're not even listing them anymore. We're just throwing out things. There's um, just so many good moments from this Super Regional. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Alexander's two RBI, two RBI sort of bloop in the top of the 11th. Similarly, Jake Mangum had a bloop in Game 2 that was Game 2 sucked. I know. Game 2 genuinely sucked. But that bloop was pretty great. Sure. Um, or was that yeah, I mean, one? I don't know. This super regional was one of the the best super regionals ever. It's arguably the best. Stanford Steve of Scott Van Pelt Sports Center so said it's the best super regional he's ever watched, and he loves college baseball. But as someone invested in it, it was incredibly. Oh, powerful. as a state fan, it's was like if you if you were a casual college baseball fan without any uh, emotional ties to it, it was pure theater. You loved it. Um, if you were a state or a Vanderbilt fan, um, it was hell. Could you imagine after all of that emotional investment, actually losing that though? How painful! Uh, I thought we were going to. No, tons of people have said this on various podcasts, and I'm right up there. After the bottom of the ninth, I had resigned to the fact that we're going to lose. Right. I was expecting a loss. I was expecting a loss in game two after they tied at 3-3. Yeah, no, I, I was right there with you, but I'm saying like the sort of dread that kind of lingers with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I can, I can see that. But particularly the players, that would have been pure hell for them. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah, I, I thought it was over after the bottom of the night. So I don't think it would have hurt as badly. The 2016 super regional that that's, that still sticks with me. This one, it, like the situation of the loss and how we would have lost the game would have been terrible, but I was, I was expecting it. Fair. I think the, the lasting like toll would have been there greater for me with mm-hmm. this one. Um. Yeah, just because this team, to me, was a more lovable team than say the 2016 one. The 2016 was a better team, but just the emotions around this one are, are a little bit different. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can, I can tell. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Let's see. How awesome was it seeing members of all the other programs at state tweeting support during the game? 
Oh, it's always cool to see that. Yeah. Um, the more the football team was because uh, I mean you saw Ben Howland tweet something before the game, and then the next day Morgan William and a bunch of other um, women's players were tweeting. Football players were going crazy. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, I'm trying to think of um, uh, former baseball players were going yeah. crazy too. Brent Rooker uh, was Brent Rooker. Uh huh. I mean, yeah, all of those were. It, it's always cool to see that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought it was very cool. Did you get a little teary eyed like myself listening to Jake after the game? No, I don't, I don't cry. I don't cry after state sporting events. I, I've cried twice in my entire life after state sporting events, the 2014 LSU game and football game and the 2014 Auburn football game. Yeah. Other than that, I have never gotten genuinely like emotional after a win. Like, uh, well, by emotional, I mean like, like crying emotional. I scream around the house and stuff, but no, I, I, uh, I, I didn't. But yeah. I could understand why you would. Yeah. No, I think it's very fair for yeah. like someone to get emotional after that because mm-hmm. of the emotions that surround this team. Um, but no, I, I didn't. I was very tired. And I think if there were tears that were like would have come, it would have been from just sheer exhaustion. For sure, yeah. Pretty much the, the next question. Pretty much the entire roster will be back next year. If they don't reach Omaha, will it be considered disappointment? Eh, I mean, if there's, a, I mean, there's a possibility of a fourth head coach coming in in four years. That's um, hard. I don't know. I I don't think there should. I mean, with the exception of like 2016 during the season. Or something like that. I don't like in terms of preseason expectations. I don't think there should be um, a season that if you don't go to Omaha, it would be considered a, a successful season. I mean, the only time I could remember recently where you are entering a season that you think that was probably 2014, but yeah. that is due in large part to the fact of the emotional um, ride that was the 2013 team. So I don't, I'm not, I'm going to say no, um, but it definitely has the capabilities of going to Omaha, but I wouldn't call it a straight up disappointment if they don't go to Omaha. Now, if they don't reach the NCAA tournament, that's a different story. But if they don't reach Omaha, I don't think it should be considered a disappointment. So I, I would put it a little bit higher of like, if they don't win a regional, you know, then it's a disappointment, but just because of what you do have coming back. Yes. You're going to have to replace Connor Pilkington. Yes. You're going to have to replace Jacob Billingsley and some others. Mm-hmm. Um, some other transfer pitchers that came in that were really good for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they were necessarily really good, but they came in big moments. You had uh, Neff and France make these big plays at times. Yeah. That's going to be difficult to replace. And so there are some questions about the bullpen. Whoever comes in, I think we'll need to address that. Mm-hmm. If you can get someone who's a pitching coach, then that's not as big of a deal. But mm-hmm. it, there's there's still a level of expectation that should come with Mississippi state baseball, but I do think you need to temper that with, as you said, fourth head coach, four years, probably. I mean, if we do hire Henderson, I mean, that could be a different story, yeah. um, but um, like if someone else were to come in, then yeah, that's, that's where it gets. I mean, it's like with Mississippi state football, we had what this is, this is going to be our fourth defensive coordinator, fifth defensive coordinator in five years. Something like that. Yeah, there's been a so, new defensive coordinator every year since after 2014. 2000. Since 2014, yeah. you can you can just say 2014. 
So I'm just throwing that out there as a comparison. But um, yeah, um, I will say this: that there's going to be if we hire Henderson, there's going to be a section of the fan base that, because of the emotions attached to this team, and because of the fact that we made Omaha, that if we don't make Omaha next year, and Henderson's the head coach, I think that group could turn on him. This is my opinions on the Henderson stuff. Like, if we hire him, okay. You know, we probably could have done better. But, you know, he's he's had two years of experience with this team and he's already led it to Omaha. I understand. If yeah. we don't hire Henderson and hire, say, Butch Thompson, okay. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. Like, right now we are in a good situation. This is a good problem to have. You're choosing, let's say that uh, at this point I would, I don't know anything about the coaching search, but I would imagine like maybe Butch Thompson. Let's just use him as an example. Um, yeah. Ties to but, Cohen, ties to State. Yeah. He's been to a super regional and an SEC program. He took an SEC program that was under a lot of fire after the Sonny Galloway situation, took them to two straight NCAA tournaments, was a really bad bounce away from going to Omaha this year. And then you have Gary Henderson, um, who, you know, so you're either going to have someone like Butch Thompson who's up and coming, yada, yada, and then you have someone who's already with the program and took the team to Omaha. This is a good problem to have, is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I go back to the, the thing I said on the last show of, you know, if you can't get a home run hire here. Which, at this point, I don't think we can. In terms of home yeah. run hire, I mean, no, like, like multiple Omaha trips. Or, like, or Tadlock or someone of that. Or degree. McDonald. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we're getting any of those guys. If you can't get someone of that pedigree, or even a step down, Butch Thompson, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you should hire Henderson. I told Henderson, you wait a couple years. If things don't pan out, you punt, you clean house, you know, maybe either keep some of somebody on the current coaching staff and elevate him up, or you just move on at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, I, in fact, I texted you after the McDonald's stuff, or maybe a couple days after the McDonald's stuff. I, yeah. You know that I said, if we don't get Butch, let's just keep Henderson. Yeah. Which at this point, I think, I don't know what, I don't know anything about Butch feels safe with Henderson, then Henderson would be fine as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you cut out a little bit there, so I don't know if that's going to show up in the recording. Okay. But, yeah, Henderson's a fine hire. Mr. V has questions. Not the best hire, but it's a fine hire. Where's Mr. B's question? Mr. V's question. Oh, man. I have them pulled up. The first one I want to give – I already know our answers to the first one because I'm going to give backstory. Do you have questions up? Yeah, I've got them. Okay, so read the first question, and then before we answer – I'll, we're going to explain this because I know your answer and I know my answer. So I actually think I'm going to surprise you on this one. You're going to say pulled pork? So it, it really depends on my mood, honestly. Because, you know, Texas, Texas, where you're from. Yeah. And I'm from Memphis. Yeah. Which are two of the meccas of barbecue consumption. Can we just go ahead and like throw away Kansas City? Sure. Okay. But, I mean, Memphis is famous for pulled pork. And yeah. ribs. Yeah. Texas is famous for brisket. And so also, that's why yeah. I thought you were going to say brisket. brisket. But you're going to say pulled pork, apparently. So, honestly, large part depends on where I'm living. Because I can get brisket anywhere. I'm in Texas right now. In Starkville, I could get pulled pork anywhere. Couldn't get good brisket. And so, in large part, I think it depends on where I'm living. Yeah. But for me, it's really 50-50. So, I'm living in Memphis. And I'm going to be going to Starkville. So, 
It's going to be pretty much the same for you. Yeah. So yeah. pulled pork. I'll just say brisket just for the heck of it, because that's where I historically line. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, we're not supposed to add comments onto these questions, by the way. Just answers. Pulled pork. Brisket. Sauce on the meat or on the side? On the meat. If we're talking barbecue. No comments. No sauce. No comments. No sauce. Oh. Wow. No sauce at all. So, like, historically, a lot of Texas barbecue has just, like, dry rubs. Well, same with Memphis with ribs. Although I like putting a little bit of sauce on the side. So I actually go with sauce on the side. I can dip it in if I want some. Depends on how dry the meat is. One on the meat. Yeah. Shrimp or crawfish? Shrimp. Shrimp. I'm awful at pronouncing words. It's andouille, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or boudin. I've never had either. I've had, I believe, andouille before, but it's been a few years. So can I I say neither? I can't say I've had boudin. Yeah, I'm going to say neither because I've never had them. Yeah. Regular or boneless buffalo chicken? Boneless, but I don't like buffalo chicken. I don't like the sauce. I don't like the sauce either. So, but if boneless, I'm going, if like I'm going, I'm going to go regular. Like honey barbecue, boneless. There we go. Yeah, I'm going to go regular though. Uh huh. Um, drumlets or flats? Flats. Drumettes. I, I put an L in there. Uh, let's go with flats. Yeah, flats. Thank you, Mr. V. And is that all we've got? Yeah, it looks like it. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. Okay. Woo. So what are your closing thinkings? Hashtag closing thinkings with Daniel Black. We're going to Omaha. Do you think the team's already in Omaha or are they leaving? Yes, they have touched down in Omaha. I saw okay. that on Twitter. Okay. I um, that. So, yes, they are safely in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, this is the, I'll, I'll use this as my closing thinking. Is this was a discussion you thought about having on a show. Um, the, my favorite team in the history of Mississippi State Athletics, and I've been alive since the year 2000, um, was the 2013 baseball team. And <laughs> a large, there are a multitude of reasons surrounding that. I would probably put 2014 football second, and this past year's women's basketball team third, and this year's baseball team is up there. You know, the 2013 baseball team, it was a he- historic run, first team in Mississippi State history to go to a national championship, all that. But I, before that, I never really, and I wasn't in Omaha. I was here watching the game, so I was looking at it from afar. But I think a part of the reason why I love the 2013 baseball team so much is because of watching the atmosphere that is Omaha. Yeah. I remember I went to the 2007 Super Regional in Starfield against Clemson, but that was my very first baseball game I ever went to. The first two, those two games in the Super Regional were the oh, very wow. first state baseball games I've ever been to. But I didn't know anything leading up to that, or I don't know how we did in Omaha. I'd ever, I don't remember watching what happened in Omaha, so I don't know much about Rosenblatt Stadium or anything like that. But watching that 2013 team, watching the atmosphere at TD Ameritrade Park, watching how... And also, this is I was sort of introduced to social media at this time, too. So looking at what looking at things on Twitter... Uh, back Instagram back in the day, Vine, because I was big then, uh, and watching Omaha on Twitter or on, on TV, looking at the whole spectacle that it was and the way this team was performing in that spectacle, it really drew me to it. And a lot of the stories with the bench mob, second be silent, and all that stuff was fun, and I enjoyed that. So the idea that we get to go back to that, and regardless of how we do, we get to sort of relive that magic, that's extremely exciting to me. 
I couldn't be more thrilled that I'm actually going to be there. It's just going to be for one game because of a hectic schedule, but I'm still excited to be there. Um, and it's a good time to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. Those are my closing thinkings. If we win the game that you're there for and then lose the rest that you're not there for, I'm blaming you. Alternatively, okay. if we lose the game that you're there for and then win everything else, I'm thanking you. Although I will say this. If we make it to the national championship, which I doubt we do, but if, yeah, I'm going to do everything in my power to be there for one reason. We have been to three national championships Since in the last five years. Yeah. I have been at none of them, and we have lost all of them. That's a fair point. So I'm going to do everything in my power to be there if we make it that far. That's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, yes. That's, I think that's, that's, that's that. Closing thinkings. Hashtag. Very quality. All right. Well, that is the Maroon and White Audible. I need to get this processed. I need to get it processed like export. some processed export. like country ham. Oh no, it, it's more like processed like YouTube generates. Oh, I thought you were talking about like processed meat. Ew. This isn't spam. Sausage. This is not spam, sir. Or canned chicken. What about Vienna sausages? Also gross. All right, that's what we've got. Thanks for listening. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Google Play. You can find it on uh, Spreaker. Spreaker. You can, you can I don't know on, what that is. It's it's like Blog Talk Radio or oh. any other like podcast hosting site. That's neat. Yeah, or you can find it on Maroon and White Nation, which is part of Fansided, which technically owns this. So, thank you. Y'all have a good one.